this week, we're going to talk about how truth matters. And truth, biblical truth, is our foundation. Biblical truth is our foundation. Now, I'm gonna, this is where I'm going to have to break some things down because I want us to be really clear. Uh, what, is, what do I mean by foundation? Foundation, uh, I used to do construction. It, it's the, it's the, th- this is how I would define it. The lowest load-bearing part of a building, typically below ground level. So there was times that I was building something and we would have to dig down till we hit kind of like the bedrock. Worship is our bedrock. Then we can lay foundation on top of that bedrock. And biblical truth is our foundation. Biblical truth is what scripture says is the foundation all other framework of what is true is built on. You want me to say that again? This is a note-taking day. Biblical truth means what scripture says is the foundation all other framework of what is true is built on. So I need biblical foundation. Why is biblical, biblical truth necessary as a foundation? Because it's going to inspire me, it's going to correct me, and it's going to equip me. And those are the three things that we're going to talk about today. Turn to somebody today and say, truth matters. <laughs> say, biblical truth is our foundation. And say, go Padres. Bro, I just want to point out to you that the most excited thing you said this morning so far was go Padres. Man, okay. Yeah. No, apparently not. Um, We're going to read out of a book called 2 Timothy. Paul is writing this book to this young man named Timothy. And he starts out in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. He says, you should know this, Timothy. That in the last days, there will be very difficult times. Now, I, I, just, I just want to point out to you that we are in the last days. I'm going to back up and make another statement. We're in the last days because the moment that Jesus Christ died, rose again, and ascended, when he ascended to take his place, his seat of honor with the Father, the last days began. So sometimes people are like, we're in the last days, Ukraine, Russia, China, you know, covid whatever. And it's like, no, we've been in the last days. So people ask me sometimes, pastor, do you believe we're in the last days? I say, yes, let me define for you. So when we read Corinthians, when we read Timothy, when we read Romans, when we read books in the new Testament, after Jesus Christ has died, after he's ascended, that's when the last days began. And here's what it says in the last days, there will be very difficult times. I think we all can agree. Things can get difficult. Do you agree? Go Padres. <laughs> Is anyone here a Dodger fan? All right. All right. I think next week you all got to come represent your team unless they lose and then you better hide. Okay. For people, listen to this. This is such a, it, this is such a completely perfect representation of where we live today. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God. God, 
scoffing, disobedient to their parents, mm -hmm. and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others, Twitter, and have no self-control. They will be cruel and they will hate what is good. Not good like what I define and you define as good, but good defined by God. I want to be clear about this. Not when you and I subjectively think is good. It's what God defines as good. They will betray their friends. They will be reckless, be puffed up with pride. They will love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious and they will reject the power that could make them godly. And he says this to Timothy, stay away from people like that. Just clearly. Paul's last and personal letter to Timothy is what we're reading. This was, Timothy was his son of faith. It was the one that he, he kind of took under his wing. And Paul is concerned in this letter for the church's preparedness to resist error in the difficulty of these last days. It sounds like the society that we live in today. So Paul is warning against the growing amount of people who are and will come to teach falsely by twisting God's absolute truth found in scripture to fit an agenda or, an, or a desire. This is where we sit today. If you jump forward in verse 10, he says, but you, so he encourages him, he goes, but you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach and how I live and what my purpose in life is. What's his purpose in life? Paul's purpose in life, Jesus, people, and passion. He's like, you know what my purpose is, to glorify God in everything I do, and it starts there, is what he's telling Timothy. You know my faith, my patience, my love, and my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I have endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. But the Lord rescued me from all of it. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil people and imposters will flourish. They will deceive others and will themselves be deceived but you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true. You know you can trust those who taught you. He's talking about his mother and his grandmother and himself. Paul's talking about himself as well. You've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they've given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes from trusting in Christ Jesus. Verse 16, here you go. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Paul has founded his life on biblical truth. 
Paul has taught and is encouraging Timothy to continue his life founded on biblical truth. And today, this same scripture does the same for us. It encourages us, it instructs us, it inspires us, and it equips us to have a life founded on biblical truth. Biblical truth inspires. It says all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. This word all means all, but I, I want to define for you why this is important that it says this and why I'm making note of it. It's the whole Bible as a collective of God's words. It's the whole Bible as a collective of God's words. John 17, 17 says, make them holy by your truth. That word holy is set apart, save them, sanctify them. Jesus is saying, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. God's word is truth. God's word is inspired. That word inspired, it means inspirited. Divinely breathed into. Inspired. Divinely breathed into. It's completely different than motivated. Motivation is external and it lasts momentarily and it dissipates. Inspiration, there's something that gets breathed into you that literally becomes part of the life-giving force in you. It's spirit-breathed scripture. Breath is active and activates movement through your body. When, when you breathe, it's involuntary and it's active, and you're breathing. You don't think about it. At the same time, it's activating the rest of your body. <laughs> It's getting blood flow to your brain. It's getting to, to, you know, oxygen to your muscles. Your breath is literally your inspiration that God placed in you in Genesis 1-2 that he put in humanity. He formed humanity and he breathed into their nostrils. He inspirited you and I. So understanding biblical truth from God's words is inspired rather than intellectual Here's why this is important, because oftentimes when I don't say, Jesus, you're my center and I submit my life to you, this is my original design and purpose in life, and I don't do that, sometimes people can read scripture and they go, I don't understand scripture, but it makes sense because they need to be inspirited. Listen to what Paul says in this other book in 1 Corinthians. He says, uh, 1 Corinthians 2.11, no one can know a person's thoughts except the person's own spirit. No one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. In verse 12, and we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit. You have received the inspirational breath of God through his word. It was placed in you. God speaks to you through this. So we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. When we tell you these things, we don't, do not use words that come from human wisdom, conventional wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's word to explain spiritual truths. Biblical truth is active in our lives and activates us to live according to it rather than according to false inspirations. You and I have false inspirations in our life. We breathe conventional wisdoms, words, and truths in, and we allow them to be the life force in us that activate us. And those can be fearful, anxiety-ridden, burdensome, misguided, 
manipulative. And biblical truth is our foundation, inspires us. It's, it's inspired and spirited by God's spirit. And when we read it and digest it, it inspires us to live according to it. It's active and it activates. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes, that word exposes, it reveals our innermost thoughts. Our innermost, that word thoughts is inspiration. There are inspirations that you're living with right now that could be misguiding you toward a destination that you were never created to go to. And when you found yourself on, on, on biblical truth, what happens is you begin, in, you begin to get inspired by, by the truth that God gives. Now, let me, let me define for you what truth is because some of you may be saying, what, okay, what is truth? This is what I, this is at least my brain. What is truth? So I'm going to read this to you. This is very cerebral, uh, but I'm going to give you, I'm going to kind of try and, uh, my best to break this down. This is how I would define truth, okay? Some big words, but just hold tight. It's the existence of a reality or fact that exists as a transcendent fundamental outside of the human capacity to intervene. The word transcendent, it exists as a transcendent fundamental outside of our ability to intervene. The word transcendent is beyond or above the range of normal or merely physical human experience. Your experience does not equal truth. But gravity is a transcendent fundamental truth. So follow my train of thought here. Nothing that we do as humans will change the fundamental truth of gravity. Nothing. Humans cannot fly. You know, what about airplanes? But we can create mechanisms to work strong enough in opposition to the fundamental truth of gravity to experience flight. Are you with me? The opposition of a truth proves inherently the transcendent fundamental existence of that truth is absolute. Gravity. I want you to notice how much energy I'm going to expend demonstrating the transcendent fundamental existence that humanity cannot intervene to change. Watch, watch, watch the energy exertion right now. You ready? It doesn't take energy to prove the existence of a truth, but it takes great energy to stand in opposition of fundamental truths. So we have to work really, really hard to overcome the fundamental existence of gravity by putting mechanisms jet Jet propulsion. We have to mine resources out of the earth to provide jet fuel to burn hot enough to, in order to get a 747 up off the ground and into the air so that we can say humans can fly. I dare you to stand on this stage and fall face first and prove to me that you can intervene as a human and disprove the power, the fundamental existence of the absolute truth of gravity. Anybody right now. Face first. There's a rug. Nobody? There's proof right there of absolute truth. 
And biblical truth is our foundation. Why? Because we need a foundation of truth that is not based on experience, but it's based on something that lives outside of us. Turn to somebody and say, oh my gosh. So all scripture is inspired by God and inspires us to live according to the truths of his words. It's the instruction manual for living. And truth always presents you with a decision. Here's the decision. What are you going to do with it? Truth has a knack of doing that. You and I have a decision. When we're presented with biblical truth on what we're going to do with it. But I can tell you that biblical truth is the foundation for living an activated life in Christ. Number two, it corrects. I, I love this part of biblical truth because it says it corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us what to do and, and, and what is right. Uh, living an activated life founded on biblical truth doesn't mean that we're all going to get it right all the time. It means that every once in a while we're going to get off track. But I love the fact that biblical truth props us back up and gets us back on track. Biblical truth becomes the guides when we start hitting the rail to say, "Mm." like, hey, whoa, got a little distracted by the bright, shiny object and keeps us on track. Have any of you ever needed to be kept on track? My personality, like moment by moment, I'm like, Jesus be my guides. Because I constantly distracted. So when we get off track, biblical truth is what course corrects us. Let me, let me break these words down really quickly. Correct is restoration to an upright state. We're living in an upright state. We, we make Jesus the center. We're living in this upright state. We start to get off. Mistakes are made. It's okay, but we can look to the biblical truths as our foundation in scripture. And we can say, God, what's your prescription to get us back on track? It teaches us. It's an instruction aiming to increase righteousness. And so it teaches us, it aims to increase righteousness. What is righteousness? Integrity, virtue, purity of life, uprightness, correctness. Listen to this. This, this is so important for us today. It's righteousness is correctness in thinking, feeling, and action. See, biblical truth corrects our actions, but also our thinking and our feelings. And I will tell you that your actions are going to be driven by what you think and feel. And sometimes our feelings drive our thoughts and they become the foundation that we call truth. And I will tell you that there are times in my life that I worked really, really, really hard to prop up the, the misguided truths of trauma in my life. And I would say to somebody, but this is my truth. Have you ever said this? Right? We hear this, right? This is my personal truth. And I hold on to it like a cancerous tumor that's killing me. 
biblical truth comes in and says, hold on a second. I want to help you in your thinking, in your feeling, in your actions that are born out of that. So how you act, think, and feel toward God, yourself, and others may seem true to you. It may seem true to you. But it may not be the biblical truth about God, yourself, and others. This is, this is a big key here. What does scripture say about you? What is the biblical truth that's foundational? What does God say about you? What is scripture, biblical, biblical truth as a foundation, what does scripture say about God? What does it say about other people? So it corrects our thinking and our feeling and therefore our actions, but not just about ourselves, but about how we see God and how we see other people. So I begin seeing my city different. I begin seeing my neighborhood different. I begin seeing all of you different. I begin seeing my wife and my children different. I begin seeing myself different because I see God differently. I refuse to call you, myself, or God by any other name other than what he calls you. Other than what he calls me and calls himself. And too often we make these alignments and these agreements with falsehoods, with literally false teachings about who you are or about who someone else is or about who God is. And we agree with those things and it gets us off course. And we need scripture as biblical truth that we can found our lives on to keep us and course correct us. What does God say about it? Well, this is, these are the facts, Pat. And I'm like, those, those are facts of the situation but what does God say about the situation? Biblical truth is the foundation for restoring right actions, thoughts, and feelings toward God, yourself, and others. So biblical truth is our foundation. It inspires us. It corrects when we get off course. But it also equips. 2 Timothy 3.17 we just read this. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Prepare and equip. Uh, the, the, the language here is perfectly, it, it, it's a perfect preparation or thoroughly furnishing you. It's a completeness, a wholeness. So what is this saying? It, it tells you and I that God uses scripture Biblical truth to inspire, correct, but also to equip us. How does he equip us? He completely furnishes us. He's not like, hey, I invite you into this space to join Jesus. There's no furniture. There's no refrigerator. There's no food. There's no money. You're just in this empty space, bro. You're going to have to figure it out. You're going to have to go whip something up. Go chase a chicken or do something. But, oh, but chickens don't exist in there either. Right? I want to tell you the space that God calls us into is fully furnished with everything that you and I need to live in completeness. He's equipped us to live with his truths. God is my provision. Man, I seem to be struggling with my finances. Hold on a second. True statement, but that's not the truth. 
man, my, my fi- God is my provision. I just feel, I feel like I'm alone. I, I need a savior. God is my savior. I'm lonely. God never leaves me or forsakes me. This idea of, it says it prepares and equips us to do every good work. It's not that we have to do every single good work. It's just that every work that we do would be good. So this word good is, I'm going to combine these two words. Uh, When you look it up in the Greek, it's easiest to do this. Good works. It's acts of reverence to God that he considers upright, honorable, and acceptable. People are like, you know, Pat. My personal truth, you know, I'm just a good person. Is that the chief aim of man? Think about this. Is the chief aim of humanity to be good? No. It's to glorify God. So what I think is good and what you think is good, actually we need to take off the table and we need to say we need to glorify God. How do we glorify God? We need to do we need to live and do good works that He's equipped us for, those good works or ones that He finds upright honorable and acceptable. Without Jesus, I'm not working unto the Lord. I'm not living unto the Lord. I'm not, I'm not loving unto the Lord. I'm doing it unto my own subjective definition of what good is. Well, what is good? Well, what's good to you may not be good to me. So we need to eliminate that and get back to the absolute transcendent existence of a truth that God defines good. Why? Because he's good. And he's equipped us for this. The most reverent act of truth that you can live by is by making Jesus the center of your life. It says in John 14, 6, Jesus says to this group, says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the way, I am the truth. And the life. Jesus is quoted saying, I tell you the truth. If you read in Jesus' life, he's quoted almost 70 times saying, I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. I tell you. Why is Jesus quoted so much saying that? Why is he saying that? Not because he has propensity toward lying. It's because he wants you to understand that he is the person of truth. And as the person of truth, he can do no other than speak the truth. He's like, I am truth. I'm the truth by which you have an ability to have an intimate relationship through me with the Father and restore what the enemy wanted to steal from you. That's the truth. And what I love about this is there's so much in the boundaries of truth that you and I don't have to question anymore. When you know the truth about something and somebody says something in opposition to it, when you really know the truth about something and someone says something in opposition, you don't even give a second thought to it. What's one plus one? This is not a trick question, family. What is one plus one? Do you know that? For sure, you know that? So if I stood here and said it's five, would you, would you freak out? Would you get defensive? Would you, would you like try to full cancel culture me because I said it? You wouldn't care. Why? 
because you are founded on an absolute truth. One and one is what? You don't give a second thought to it, huh? We need truth. Why? Because it creates a boundary for you and I to be able to live in freedom. Truth becomes the boundary that we live in freedom. Do you want to be free? I want to be free. There's truth in the space that Jesus holds. And truth is your freedom. It says in John 8, 31, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teaching and you will know the truth and the truth will set you. We need truth, family. We live in a culture that says we need to dismantle truth. There is no truth. False. There is truth. I just proved it. I dropped a pen off this stage. There's absolutely transcendent existence of things that humanity cannot intervene to change. One of those things is God. No matter what you and I do to intervene, we can't change God. We can't change his propensity toward loving people. We can't change his heart toward restoration, toward wanting to bring you peace, toward wanting to destroy the enemy's power in, in and over our lives to bring anxiety and depression and suicide, and misguided thoughts and confusion. And when, and when I turn on the TV and when I walk out in society, it's like I see in people's faces. Sometimes when I get confused over something, I can see it in my own eyes. I'm like, God, there's confusion. And God's like, no, there's only confusion in a place where you're not allowing my truth to exist. Ephesians 4.14, then you will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like what? The truth. We need the full truth. I said in the beginning, all, the whole narrative of scripture. One of the most dangerous things that we can do is present a snippet of scripture as truth. We need the whole narrative. We need Genesis to Revelation. We need to see the full character, the full nature, and the full revelation of God, his heart. We need to see the full character and revelation of Jesus Christ. We need to understand the full nature of who we are, who you have been created to be. And what happens is we take pieces and portions and we use them to manipulate for our own desire and purposes. We preach falsehoods to ourselves and to others potentially at times. And what happens is, is we don't get the fullness of what God has created for you. And what he's created is to equip you with freedom, to bring you peace, to bring you long life, to bring you something that's everlasting, that supersedes the trials and the circumstances that you're living in. Can somebody please say amen? Join me in standing today. As individuals and as a family, we aim to always have biblical truth as the foundation of everything that we say and do. I can only promise you one thing. That if you show up to something here, if you're hanging out with somebody, you show up to young adults. I love hanging out with the young adults. I'm there. I'm talking to them. Right, Stevie? I love spending time with the young adults. 
if you're in that 20-something range, come out on Thursdays. Because I take this and I, and I break it down even deeper. Every single thing that you're going to hear and see from us is going to be rooted and founded in what? Biblical truth. Not Pat's opinion as a pastor. That's why I'm not going to preach politics. I'm going to preach biblical truth. That's why I'm not going to preach personal bias. I want to, I just want to teach and preach biblical truth as our foundation. You don't need my opinion. You need my observation of biblical truths. And that is our promise to you when you show up and anything that we do. When we say, hey, we're going to Oaxaca coming up. And we're going to go down and this is what we're doing. We're doing it founded on what? Biblical truth. <laughs> I just feel like that would be a good thing to do. <laughs> no, it's like God's speaking to us through scripture. He's giving us all these foundational truths that we live according to. This is a house who will stand on the truth of God's word. Let's pray. Biblical truth is our foundation, keeps us aligned to having Jesus our center, people are in passion our approach by inspiring us, correcting us, and equipping us. My prayer this morning for us as we walk out. We're going to be presented with lots and lots and lots of perspectives and false inspirations of truth. But my prayer is that we would be founded, deeply rooted on bedrock below the surface. What you don't see is you don't see the power and the strength of what's living below that surface of just biblical truth that is our foundation. When we begin building narratives on that foundation, they're founded on biblical truth. Not on how I think, not on how I feel. And that my actions would be born out of that. Lord, give us humility to be able to really give ourselves over to that. There's so much that we can talk about. I could, I, could, I could have spent six weeks talking about truth. I did my very best in this short period of time that we have together to give you something foundational for you to begin as a building block to say, God, I want to have your biblical truth as the foundation of my life. Perhaps you've been living according to other truths and my encouragement to you today like Paul did to Timothy is to say to you, would you please continue on, continue to live according to the things that you're being taught, the things that you were taught. Have a heart that says, God, I want to know more. God, would you speak to me about your truths? How do you see me? 
How do you see my spouse? How do you see my child? How do you see my finances? How do you see the world? How do you see my city? How do you see my neighborhood? How do you see the person at the checkout stand at the local grocery store that I see every single time and they seem like they're struggling? And how do you see them? God, give me insight so that I can see the way that you see. I want to know the truths about the the circumstances and, and the environments that I live in so I can begin living according to those things. God, you've given us authority to do that because of your son, Jesus. And we thank you. If you are here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I would encourage you, don't leave this place. We have a ministry team that is equipped and ready. They've been praying from the beginning of this morning before anyone was even on campus. We had a team here praying. They're praying all throughout the service and they're equipped and they're ready. They want to spend time with you and talk to you and pray with you. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus to say, I need to make Jesus the center of my life. I want to start with that most reverent act. I want to step into that truth here today. And and they're here for you and they want to pray with you. And what I'm going to encourage you to do is before you leave this place to make yourself known, it's important. God doesn't save you to put you in a silo. He saves you to a family. The worst thing I can do for you as a pastor is to say, raise your hand in the quiet, put your hand down in the quiet, walk out of here unknown. That's the worst thing I can do for you. The best thing I can do is to encourage you to come forward and speak to one of these people on our ministry and say, I am making a decision today for Jesus Christ. It's the best thing I can do for you. Don't leave here without doing that. If you need ministry this morning, prayer for anything, things that you're seeing as true in your life that you know, God, you must see differently, come up and get prayer. Some of you are facing some tough situations. If that's you, come get prayer. Why? So that we can get to the biblical truth. Amen? So Lord, bless every single person as we go. Give us hearts that are humble. Give us ears to hear. Inspirit us. Inspire us with your word. Give us the ability to, to submit our thoughts and our feelings uh, to things that uh, we read about who you are and we would lay at the foundation of our lives, foundation of our hearts, biblical truth. In Jesus' powerful name, everyone said amen and amen.